Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Go Tech Please Don't Die podcast, a show welcome. devoted to tech going and hopefully not dying, even though they did a lot this week. I'm Nathan. I'm Evan. And I'm a sad, sad Josh. Yeah, I think we're all sad, sad Joshes. Yes. On this Monday you don't want night. That. You don't want that. I am also a sad, sad Josh. Hello. Uh, we're, we're obviously not recording this on Saturday night, or we would sa- I would sound a lot more angry uh, than I do right now, I think. You know, this is just my normal anger coming out. <laughs> Um, not my just watch tech get beat 52 to zero or 10 or whatever. Yeah. And all of our uh, NFL teams won this week too, right? <laughs> oh, God. Uh, the saints are going to be the saints. That's all I can say about that. But, uh, you know, every and once in a while. Tech. Now yeah. I never claimed the Vikings were good. They're That's just- true. I'm sure if we went back a few weeks of podcasts, you were still hoping that they would get a high draft pick. So probably anyway, uh, before we get into our dogs in the NFL segment here, we just have one bit of tech news. We saw a couple days ago that Sue Donahoe, who was a, uh, an executive in the NCAA women's tournament and the vice president of the NCAA women's basketball division, she passed away this past weekend and she was a uh, former Lady Texters grad assistant. She got, actually got her start in women's basketball in 1981 as a grad assistant um, to Sonia Hogg and helped the Texters win those uh, those championships there in the early 80s. So rest in peace to her. Uh, wish the best to her family as well. And now without trying to make a cheesy transition, let's uh, let's talk about some dogs in the NFL. Nathan, what you got? Yeah, like usual, we'll start off with the ones that didn't really contribute this week. That included Jeff Driscoll, Trent Taylor, Amik Robertson, and Tremont Williams. Uh, Williams, the last one, had a thigh injury going into this week. He's expected back next week, but he had to sit out this past game. But after that, we have some contributors actually helped out. Isn't that right, Evan? Yeah, uh, well, ironically here, your first one, Vernon Butler, uh, got the start but did not record any stats. So That's still yeah. contributing, though. Yeah, still of course, did of course. Uh, Xavier Woods had played 100% of the snaps again and recorded six tackles uh, for the Cowboys. Not sure if they won or not. And then Boston Scott, as we mentioned, the the Saints, uh, Boston Scott had three rushes for six yards against the Saints and had a catch for 11 yards. I don't think he had any kickoff returns. I didn't see that. But then after that, we have Ryan Allen, who's back on a practice squad and then back on a roster this week. He got <laughs> brought back up, I believe, due, due to a COVID issue again. He had one punt for 41 yards, so that's one stat he's got there. Yeah, that's lower than his average so far this year for all those other teams, but, you know, 41 yards. I I don't know where they were at on the field either. You know, if they're at the the 45-yard line, that's a pretty damn great punt. But uh, anyway. And then Matt's not on the show, so Josh, you want to do your best Matt impression and tell us how Sneed did? Sneed! If it's a Sneed you need, um, (laughs) Legereus Sneed is probably taking over the number one CB slot I if I remember correctly, because their number one quarterback got injured or banged up, I think. And uh, Sneed played pretty good, it sounds like. Uh, seven tackles and a beautiful pass breakup. So, go Chiefs. Go Sneed. I know Matt said he had a, a an almost pick at one point, too. So, hopefully he can remember how to catch after his uh, time off. Because he's had a couple almost picks since he came back, but no no actual picks since that injury, right? Yeah, I think so. That That pass breakup, I think, was the almost pick. It was falling back into the end zone where the receiver had to play defense. To knock it out ah, of his hands. Ah. So very close to coming down with it. I think they ended up scoring or get or they gave up the score a couple plays later. So it would have been really nice to have that interception. Uh, yeah. But another Bulldog that made a difference this week was Jalen Ferguson with the Ravens. He had two solo tackles, one of which was a tackle for loss. 
And then the other Raven alongside him, also getting the start, I believe Justin Ellis had two assisted tackles. Jelly Bean. And last week we used the transition after talking about the black and purple team to talk about TCU. But this week, you know, the spirit's not really into it because I guess we have to talk about some Horn Frog Louisiana Tech yeah. football. I really don't want to. Yeah, I mean, look, we're gonna we're gonna try to limit this. Uh, we we all, you know, sat through most of that or some of that. I didn't sit through any of it. <laughs> uh, Josh, oh boy, are we Josh is the only smart one. Um, I sat through not one but two Louisiana Tech uh, ugly losses on Saturday night. So we're gonna try to limit this section because you guys were all there. Everyone who listens to this show was you, you watched the game or you were at least mad about the game if you didn't watch it. So. We'll try to keep this. We're not going to go play by play or anything like that. We'll just, you know, we'll we'll start out with some first half talk, though, Nathan. What do you have to say about this? Yeah, because really the first, especially the first quarter, it felt within reach. Didn't start terribly. Yeah, Tech did get the. It started off terribly in terms of the first play because of the muffed <sighs> kickoff return uh, that yep. you, you got to just catch and run or fair catch or whatever. Some bad starting field position after that, and then a. Punt, TC gets the ball inside the five-yard line of the Bulldogs. But on fourth and two, the Bulldogs stop them <laughs> to get the ball yeah. right back. But then again, they're backed up in poor field position again. So they move the ball a little bit, have to punt again. Defense again allows the Horn Frogs to move the ball inside the 10, but this time they force a field goal. So there's about two minutes left in the first quarter, and it's only 3-0 TCU. But then everything starts to go wrong very slowly, then very quickly. On the next Bulldog drive, the first play, I believe this was Aaron Allen, drops back, throws a pass that hits the hands of Griffin Bear, bounces off of them, and right into the hands of a TCU defender. And then the dam breaks. TCU would score on that drive a touchdown, and then on the next three, they would each score a touchdown to go up into halftime, up 31 to nothing. And then yeah, they would I also mean, score on the first two of the second half. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really the only thing I want to mention from the, from the first half is just how, I mean, like you talk about like our, our whole shtick is right. Did tech go? Did tech die? I think this is the the least I've ever seen tech go, right? Like they were not ready to play in this game, like mentally, physically. It just, I don't know what, how to explain that. We had 10 days to prepare or eight days or however much because we played North Texas on a Thursday. But I mean, just mental, the mental mistakes and like, I think our first five kickoff returns or punt returns or whatever no, we, there weren't any punt returns, but kickoff returns, there was some kind of penalty called on us. Like there was one, you know, there were all kinds of holdings. There was a block in the back. And now whether or not they're accurate penalties, I don't really know. You never see the all 22 view of kickoffs, but like just for that to happen and we coming in, we weren't a very penalized team, right? So I, I don't know what happened there, but just, I think our, our first four or five drives all started like not even within the 20, but like within the 12 yard line, right? It was not good. And, you know, the pick is, is what it is. It hit the guy's hands. He should have caught it. Uh, there was a fumble later in the half. I mean, just, we missed a field goal. <laughs> I mean, just the worst, the worst. Here's the uh, field position for the Bulldogs drive by drive. Their own four, their own six, their own 15, their own 12, their own 12, their own 15. Uh, and then finally, uh, with two minutes left, they get the ball back down 31 nothing, and they finally get a touchback and get the ball at the 25. Jesus, <laughs> that's so bad. Yeah, and I mean, by the 
by the fourth kickoff when there was a flag thrown, I was like, why the hell aren't we just letting it go out of the back of the end zone at this point? We just like the 25 would be twice as good as anything we've done so far. So let's just take that. But that, anyway, that last 15, that was the one where Tucson returned the ball all the way to the 44 yard line. And right. then there was a holding well behind the play that got it back to the 15 where it was finally cool. We have good field position for the first time all game, even if we're only even if we're down 24, nothing at this point. But then, yep, nope. I mean, I, I would describe my feeling, you know, at the beginning, it was like, okay, we, we stopped him on downs. So that felt good. And then obviously we get the ball back at the six. I'm not expecting much. I would say where things started to feel off to me, not that we couldn't win the game or anything, but just like, oh, wow, this is, this is not good was the pick, right? I mean, it, it was yeah. just like, the ball must have been greased or something, and then it magically got cleaned off before it hit the de- defender's hands because you just caught it. And, you know, they score a touchdown two plays later, so it's all of a sudden like, oh, okay, so we started okay defensively, but it's going to be that kind of game. And then the next time TCU touched the ball, they they bomb it over the top for 76 yards. And, and on that play, um, shoot, I don't remember who was in coverage for Tech, but whoever it was got beat by Quentin Johnson – um, their freshman wide receiver, six, four guy, really good, but he got beat. So he tried to tackle him as the ball's in the air and it was clear interference, but he didn't like actually tackle him. He actually missed the tackle. Like, like it was a broken tackle on the route. And then the guy just like walks into the end zone because the guy covering him had tried to tackle him and missed. Yeah. And I'm, I'm saying he tried to tackle him before the ball got there to be clear. So he was like trying he, to draw the pass interference, give up the 15-yard penalty, but not give exactly. up the 75-yard touchdown. Exactly. But ended up doing both and Thank had the you, penalty. You, you said that way better than I did. <laughs> yeah, your, your struggles there kind of signify how bad this game went for the Bulldogs. It was kind of like stumbling through a sentence the whole time. We, like, uh, you know, you know, I was keeping up on my phone still, regardless of me not actually watching. But it seems like once the, you know, everything was good when we stopped him on you know, and held him to a field goal. But then there was the pick and then we just got boat raced after that. And we just, besides all the pen, like there was just no catching them once they started going and that sucks. You hate to see it. It seems like that happens to us playing these power teams. Like we start off the quarter well and hold them to maybe like field goal or one touchdown. And then at some point something just breaks and then we just get left behind. But I mean, here's, here's my problem. And this is kind of skipping to the end of the game because I don't think there's much to talk about in the second half because Ooh. So few things happen. Well, there's the the horrible Luke Anthony injury. But beyond that, there's not a lot to talk about because the game is well in hand. So at that point, Duggan doesn't play, I think, after the first drive of the third quarter. So I think, I think he played. Yeah, he played the second. So the first I mean, the first quote unquote drive was a uh, was a 75 yard run by one of their running backs. Um, just complete breakdown. Just nothing more you can say. I mean, I, I bet the team watching the tape today or yesterday or whatever i mean it's got to feel just like so shitty for yourself because you're like man like i made like like maybe three guys on that play made a simple mistake that allowed a 75 yard touchdown to happen right so it's like man if we could have cleaned it up i mean obviously we lost 52 to 10 and our 10 points were in complete garbage time so like there's you know there's no moral victories at all here right but like if we didn't play so shitty, maybe we could have hung in with this team, but like we never gave ourselves the chance. And, and they just, I mean, they scored what six touchdowns in a row or something. I mean, field goal, touchdown, 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 touchdown. And then finally, I think they fumbled a a punt or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, 
it seems this is very similar to what happened in the Texas game last year. You know, a lot That's of mistakes. What I to go with yep. is yeah. that it, it had this game been the opener of the season or the second game after an FCS game or something like that. I don't think the fan base would be having this reaction. Also, if we didn't lose to ULL in basketball on the same night, I don't <laughs> think the fan base would be having the same meltdown is the best way to put it. Tech got beat by a team that's beaten top, two top 25 teams in conference and has not looked great in some of the other games, but has played up or played down to their opponent a bunch that we knew that they were a good team. I mean, I predicted Tech to win this game because I'm an idiot, but I had hoped that the TCU team that doesn't show up to meaningless games wouldn't show up, and they did. But again, if this game happens week one or week two, I don't think that this becomes the biggest deal because we still have a chance to win the conference, and that's not on the table. We still have a chance to go to a bowl game, and that's already been decided by this point. So with a game where all you can do is play and hopefully win, it doesn't really matter if you lose, nothing gets gained or lost, it kind of sucks to lose by 42 points. You know, it's it's one of the things where, like, all we can do is focus on the tree instead of the forest. It's just one of those yeah. games. But and, and one of my one of my things too that I said in my three keys post for Bleed Tech Blue was I, I just wanted this to be like a fun game, like treat it almost like a bowl atmosphere, you know, like call some call some fun plays, like trick plays, like you know, get some of the young guys in, which we did get some of the young guys in. That was it was um I thought Harlan Dixon played pretty well. Um he had a couple of runs and a, and like three receptions, I think. And I think, you know, it wasn't like a good display. Of him, yeah, he had seven carries for 16 yards. Um, so you know, nothing like world breaking from him, but three catches for 16 yards, and I think that kind of shows what he could be in this offense moving forward. So I thought that was nice to see, but I, I ultimately did not have fun watching this game, especially there at at the end. I don't know how much we want to say about that, but yeah, I, I, I think the the important part is with Luke's injury. I think is what you're hinting at. Yeah, that. Uh, it was very gruesome. I would not. Yeah, don't watch it if you say go watch it. it. Yeah, if you, <laughs> you want to see it, go watch it. But you I don't want to. I'm not going to watch it. Basically, he got sacked and he stayed down. Right, and and they start showing the replay, and just so like you can get a an image of like not an image. That's not what you want, but like just so you can understand. You know, when they're going to replay, one of the producers like cut into the broadcast or or accidentally had his mic still on so that we could hear it on the broadcast. And he said, oh, no, no, he broke his ankle. He broke his leg, like trying to get them not to show it. But it was like too late. And so, of course, I think, Nathan, you said you looked up at that point, right? Because I was down on my phone because at this point the game was kind of out of hand. And I was working on other (laughs) writing some notes and doing some other things about this. And yeah, I, I thought that was a field mic picking up somebody like casually talking. Oh yeah, he, I, his leg broke in half is what I heard. And then I looked up and, and then they were showing a replay. Uh, yeah, and- it's not something that is is worth watching. But the the good news to come out it's of this. It's the kind really of thing be- they never should have thrown. Or, or uh, Sorry, it's the kind of thing they never would have shown had they like watched it before they showed it. They would have been like, yeah, we saw the replay. We're not going to show you. It's real bad, right? But they they didn't they didn't get that in time to to stop us from seeing it and that really sucked because I really wish I hadn't seen that but like you said Nathan there's good news right yes it was reported and press conference today about the bowl game and other things uh, Luke went through a surgery that I think lasted three hours on Saturday night it was a clean break of his leg I believe both of the the long bones in his leg if I yeah. remember right he put out a statement uh, this this afternoon Luke did. 
you know, saying he had a compound fracture of his right tibia and fibula, which I think are both of those long bones, as you mentioned, Nathan. I'm not a medical guy, so I don't know. But uh, I'm pretty sure they're not medically called the long bones, but that's what I've always <laughs> called them. He, he underwent successful surgery on Sunday morning, um, and he says, as bad as the injury was, I was fortunate not to have injured any joints or ligaments in my leg, which, I mean, talk about a miracle, like, dude. I mean, after what I saw, I wasn't sure that this guy would ever walk right again, right? But yeah. he or says, play, or play football too, like right. That, right. That's a step up of you'd and, rather be able to walk again, but right? I kind of thought like, his career was over. And and watching him like on the field, and it was nice to see the whole team come over, and TCU's players were were coming over and you know dapping him up and stuff as he was going off the field. But man, like I mean, after after seeing the injury, like I felt sick, right, from seeing that. But then seeing Luke like you know, 20, 20 minutes of real time after the injury being carted off the field, just with tears in his eyes, not from the pain of his leg being broken. Right. I'm sure there were tears from that too, but like from the pain of being like, man, like this, this is, this might be it. Right. This like here I was like two minutes left in this game and th- it might be it. And and you could just see all that emotion on his face. So to get this news the next day and, and today is like, it's the best possible news that I could have hoped for after seeing that injury for sure. Um, and, and that news, I don't know if I ever finished reading his statement, but he says his physicians are optimistic that with time he can make a full recovery and will be back playing for the dogs next season. So like next season, like that's insane after seeing what happened to his leg. Uh, that's, that's insane and fantastic news. And obviously Luke Anthony's not listening to this podcast, but like, or what if he is, (laughs) we're all rooting for you, man. We want you to come back stronger than ever. Like hopefully you know, you can, you can come back from this and sucks that it happened to you for sure. But it's very good news that we got today that, you know, it was a clean break and no ligament or joint damage, which is what complicates things. I think. Right. Yeah. That's, that's the reason you see the injuries that take years to recover from. At least my understanding is because of that. Right. Damage. Um, right. Again, not going to try a witty transition from there because yeah. serious news is serious. Uh, let's talk about the bowl game though. Uh, the dogs it was announced today officially that the Bulldogs will travel to New Orleans on December 23rd to take on Georgia Southern. I had to make sure I didn't say Georgia State because they're both in the Sun Belt in our GSU. Um, we're not going to go into too much detail right now because we'll have another podcast out between now and then on next Tuesday's show. But because that's the ga- day before the game, we kind of want to talk about it a little bit here. Uh, the game's at 2 o'clock Central. On like I said, Wednesday, twenty uh, December twenty third. What are they? They're the Eagles, right? They're seven to five overall. Yeah. Losses to Appalachian State, Georgia State, Army, ULL, and Coastal. But it's kind of hard, as hard as it for me to remember the name of the team. It's kind of hard to get a feel for the team as well. <laughs> what do What yeah. do we know about this team, Evan? I, I mean, first of all, they they run the option, so that's weird in today's college football. There's only a handful of teams that that do that. And Can you name them all. Uh, can I? Let's see, Navy, Army. Georgia Southern and I guess kind of coastal mm. and does Air Force run it too? God, may, hold on, I'm trying to find a okay, okay. So anymore, you right? got Georgia Tech does not anymore. No, God, this uh, list on Wikipedia is terrible. Um, Air Force does, and um, the Wofford Terriers do. The oh. Citadel. <laughs> yeah, Evan, why you name those FCS? Eastern schools? New Mexico. Hey, man, I lived in South Carolina until recently, and both of those—well, not Eastern New Mexico, obviously—but Wofford and the Citadel are both in South Carolina. I should have known that. I'm pretty um, sure Eastern New Mexico is in Fresco, Texas now. 
<laughs> yeah, so you asked what we know about this team. They, they run the option, so they average about 263 yards per ground uh, – per ground – per game on the ground. Jesus. Um, that's – that. It averages out to about 5.4 yards per carry, which is 18th best in college football. Yeah, they're a running team, right? We get it. <laughs> um, and we'll look into all this a lot more next week. But, uh, Josh, I think you were saying it. it's really hard to get a feel like for the team, right, just based on who they've played and how they've done, right? I've looked at their schedule this year, right? And I don't really understand this team at all. They beat an <laughs> FCS team by one. They lose by two to ULL. They beat ULM by five on a last second stop. And then they, they, they have a bunch of like these one score games. Like they beat South Alabama by one score. They beat Troy by one score. They lose, they beat Texas state by one score, you know, and then they lose to army by one. They lose to Georgia state by one score. They yeah. booty blast FAU. So <laughs> I, I don't understand. <laughs> I really don't get it. Yeah, I mean, and and you you mentioned Campbell. They started out their season against Campbell and won twenty seven to twenty six, and they they stopped a two point conversion. Campbell was trying to win, right? They weren't playing for overtime. They were going for the win with ten seconds left in the game, and Georgia Southern was able to stop them. And then, like you said, they they stopped ULM like literally at the six inch line. I oh, recommend any football fan go watch that and just like uh, you will empathize with that ULM what quarterback? Yeah. I guess like. Yeah, I mean, he, man, uh, man, and just the, the clock ticks out as they're trying to get up to to spike the ball at the like half inch line. But oh, God, yeah. So but still, basically, at this point, we have no idea what to make of this team. They're seven and five overall, and they've lost to some good teams. They've beaten. I mean, not really any good teams, right? I, I, you could say the same about Tech, right? We haven't really yeah. beaten any. We beat UAB, FAU's I guess. Team, but, but like they've had a lot of issues with COVID and roster issues. So like, so is everybody though. I mean, yeah. there yeah. isn't a team in the country that doesn't have roster and this, COVID issues throughout the year. As I've tweeted from our account several times now, this year is an asterisk year, and I don't care who wins what or anything. Like, just put an asterisk on all of it because, like, yeah, I when, mean, when when we lost to UTSA, we were missing a bunch of people. But who knows? UTSA lost to to UAB. Who knows who they were missing? Right? Like, I I don't know. I, I I wouldn't go that far. I would say it's an asterisk for why you didn't do well, but I would hate to say that oh this team only won the conference because it's an asterisk here. Unless like, I don't it's UAB, think that's that's unless it's UAB. That's fair. Yeah. So when Marshall wins this week, it's not it won't be an asterisk, but if UAB wins, it will be. It will be. Yeah. Well, uh, let's uh, jump back to this bowl game really quickly uh, because <laughs> we talked a lot about the running game and we're trying to get <laughs> we still have basketball to talk about. I do want to mention, though, that they rank fourth fewest in pass yards per game, 102. Only the surface academies, Army, Navy, and Air Force, are worse. I'm not sure about the, was it the Merchant Marine FCS school? Yeah, but but where where do the Wofford Terriers in the Citadel rank, though? Yeah, yeah, good question. Well, on the defensive side of the ball, it's a run-stopping defense, as well as they are running the ball on offense, I guess, maybe just because they get that in practice a lot. They, they look for that. They only allow 3.4 yards per carry, that's the 18th best in FBS football. So their yards per carry and allowed yards per carry. So offense and defense are both 18th best in college football. Uh, also, the defense gets a lot of turnovers, 1.8 per game. Uh, that's, I think, the 30th best in the country. Tech has yet to face a team this year that averages that many takeaways per game. Oh, wow. And with that being said, I mean, they're, they're good at stopping the run, but... Tech's not a very good running team anyway, so if we're going to have success, I think we're going to have to pass. Obviously, we're going to do our predictions and stuff next week after we've had some time to 
to look over this matchup and like think about it a little bit, but Tech should be able to pass the ball. Aaron Allen, you know, should be able to have a good game. Hopefully he had a really terrible game against TCU. So we'll see, I guess, but uh, you know, it, it should be interesting, right? Tech has not quite as much of a bowl prep period as we normally would. And you want extra time when you're playing against an option team, you know, because it's weird. We don't play any option teams unless we're playing them in a bowl game or randomly in 2013. So I don't know. I don't know what you're, you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think Holt said in his presser today on Monday, the day before the show comes out, that he's happy that the game is on the 23rd and out on the 19th. So happy it's on the Wednesday and out on the Saturday that you would get for a normal how to look to your next opponent to try to beat them kind of thing. Gives him a few extra days to prepare for this. Of course, not as many as we always get for bowl games, but still better than a just a normal week to try to prepare for a completely new style of offense. Yeah, for sure. So anyway, we'll, we'll talk more about this game next week. Let's go ahead and transition. I guess, I don't know, Nathan, you want to do your little, uh, what is that cadence called that the band plays? Anyway, here's our... Yeah, I guess you only do that when we pause the show and record a couple days later. But anyway, we're just marathoning this week. Yeah, because yeah, we hate ourselves. Too sad on Saturday night to actually record. Yeah, but let's start off with a happy note because the first hoops game was against Southeastern and Tech won that game 70 to 69, even though they tried very, very hard not to. Yeah, goodness. Tech's largest lead of the night uh, was 78 to 67. And if that sounds like just kind of like the score I just said, it, it was. Uh, Southeastern scored two points in the last 17 seconds, but 17 mm-hmm. seconds to go was Tech's largest lead of the night. And that kind of says a lot about how this game went. Uh, before the final two minutes, the largest lead for the Bulldogs was only four points. Yeah, and I mean, Southeastern held the lead about halfway through the second half. They were up by two, up by three a little bit before that. So uh, Tech just didn't play very well in this game. And Oh, boy, do we have news. Yeah, really the biggest takeaway for me is that we can't always rely on a true freshman to be the world beater that he sometimes is. It's kind of an yeah. off night for junior Kenneth Lofton. He had only four shots and only made two of them and is also responsible for five of the team's 10 turnovers. Oh, boy. Hey, Tech only having 10 turnovers is something, though, because we've had a lot more than that in a lot of other games. But uh, the key stat that we'll talk about soon. Yeah. (laughs) The key stat that jumps out to me here from the from the box score or from the team stats, rather, is Southeastern shot 57 percent from the field. And that to me suggests that they were shooting a lot from the inside, right? Yeah, I was about to set that up. Yeah, that, here was the thing that I was noticing offhand that doesn't show up in the stat sheet. And it's something that the commentators kept bringing up. And by commentators, I guess I mean uh, Dave Nitz because this was Kusa TV. Southeastern was just driving to the bucket with ease. Every time they had the ball and they wanted to drive, they could. And you'd expect and your big men to be able to stop that. And and that's honestly we weird couldn't. too because in, in our previous games, like – like LSU beat the crap out of us by just hitting three balls the entire night, right? Like, I, I mean, and, and LSU, I'm sure they scored in the paint too, but like we played good defense in our in our earlier games as well. And it's how we were four and, you know, three and one going into this game was playing good defense and not letting teams drive. Like Northwestern State, like I said, didn't even get, a, didn't even set foot in the paint until 14 minutes left in the game, right? So, or in the half, I mean. So like six minutes of the game went by before they even touched the lane. And yet Southeastern's here shooting 57% from the field. So 
I don't know what happened. I don't know if Southeastern saw something that they could exploit or, or maybe our guys were in foul trouble or something like that. I, I don't know. But um, thankfully, uh, Caleb Ledoux decided to show up tonight or, or Thursday night or whenever this was because without his contribution, I don't think there's any way we win this game, right? He he shot nine for 15 from the field, hit four three-pointers, uh, scored 24 points overall and added six rebounds. So, I mean, great night from Ledoux, uh, the kind of thing that we're, we're going to need from him, right? Yeah, and he'll have these nights where he goes off and some nights where he'll just look cold, and we'll talk about one of those cold nights in a second. <laughs> but one other player that deserves a shout-out is Jace Bass, the the incoming transfer junior. He only played 11 minutes off the bench, but he made those minutes count. He hit two of two three-pointers and also got two defensive rebounds in a, just a short, a short, in a short period off there of the bench go. there. Yeah, I'll just switch the words and say completely different ones. This was a game that Tech tried, it felt like tried to lose, and something I was worried about going into the ULL game where, okay, wait, we just really struggled against a team that's supposed to be in the bottom of Division One. They're ranked 333rd. No team that Tech plays for the rest of the year or before it ranks that low in college basketball. So I'm, I was a little worried going into this Louisiana Lafayette game. And, yeah, and, and uh, also... Yeah, I mean, you were I, – I think you had cause to be worried. Tech shot the ball okay against Southeastern, though, 48%, you know, and 50% from three, uh, 67% of our free throws. But, yeah, I mean, just, just watching that defense had gave cause to be worried because it's like, all right, well, what if Ledoux doesn't go off for 24 points? Or what if Archibald doesn't score 16 points, right? Like, yeah, how are we going to win games if, if we're not defending well? And, you know, with – tech basketball teams of late they're very streaky right they they'll have games where they go off for 90 points and then they'll have games where they can't buy a bucket for eight minutes and that's pretty much the story of what happened in lafayette right yeah (sighs) yeah i guess i guess let's get to it tech travels down to lafayette loses 61 to 56 and yeah everybody was just plain cold um it was, as I put in the notes, a typical 16-point second-half collapse from the Bulldogs. Oh, we tech is bad. A little overdramatic, but it's kind of how that felt. Uh, before we start talking about even shooting, I want to talk about rebounds for a second. Because the two things that I always look at immediately when looking at box scores are turnovers and rebounds. Because usually the team that wins both of those wins the game, regardless of how well you shoot. Because that gives you just more opportunities to shoot the ball and make up for a cold night. Uh, tech did have... Three fewer turnovers, but also 17 fewer rebounds. Oh, my God. They had 49 rebounds? God, that's yes. That's almost as many points as we scored. Exactly. We 14 really offensive up. rebounds. Holy crap, man. All right. For, first of all, both of these teams kind of sucked in this game, right? Uh, Tech, Tech jumped out to a 35-21 to 21 lead in the first half. Uh, really... Everything seemed to be fine in the first half. I mean, uh, I don't know the individual stats at halftime, but we were playing good defense and ULL wasn't hitting any shots, right? Uh, Pretty much the exact opposite of that happened in the second half. Um, Tech was driving the lane still in the second half and and not really getting out of their game, not really only taking long shots or anything, but they just, they weren't hitting anything. There were like four, four or five minute periods of basketball where Tech not only didn't make a field goal, they didn't get fouled. They didn't go to the free free throw line at all. 
Like they're just not scoring any points whatsoever. And so, you know, obviously when that happens, you're going to, you're going to go on like a 17 to four run if you're the other team. Right. So I don't even know. It's, I mean, here's the thing. The team was shooting 40% from the field in the first half, which is all right. I mean, still pretty bad, but both teams shot the ball pretty bad. But the biggest difference was Tech forced 12 turnovers in the first half. They finished the night with 14. Oh, oh man. Oh. The Cajuns simply stopped turning the ball over and just shot the ball instead. And even though both teams were not very great from the field, turns out when you just put the ball up, sometimes it goes in the round hoop. And the halftime adjustment there saved the Cajuns and brought them back in this life, unfortunately for us. Um, I did want to say also on the rebounding note, Tech had four offensive rebounds in total on the night. Yikes. So, yeah, and ULL had 14 to say that yeah. number again. When you only get four offensive rebounds, it doesn't really matter how poorly you shoot the ball because you just don't get the second chance. And yeah. Because usually you don't make a shot. Yeah. I mean, because so we we went up 37 to 21 right as the right as the uh, second half started. And then, I mean, God, they – they took the lead 40, 48 to 46 with eight minutes left in the game, eight, eight 30 left. So we, we were outscored. What is that? 27 to seven or something? Ugh. Seven to nine. That's dear God. So bad. I mean, it was 40 to 21 for the whole second half for ULL, but yeah, I mean, we, we hit a three to tie it at 52, 52, and then we just went cold again. Right. And, and didn't, didn't really do anything the whole rest of the game. And it was just, it was like watching a train wreck in slow motion. It was very similar to the UTSA football game in that, like when we were only up by like nine, you know, I was watching this game by myself, but I kind of, I kind of said to myself like, wow, we're going to lose this game. <laughs> right. Like when, when we were, when we were beating UTSA 26 to 13, yep. I turned to my friend Kyle and I said, we're going to lose this game. <laughs> <laughs> and I was right. Both times. Unfortunately, I don't know. What else do we need to say about this? Yeah, I'll, I'll say a couple more rebound notes because that's really what I'm going to harp on in this game because that played such a huge part of this. Ledoux and Crawford each had six rebounds on the night, which is all right, but not great if that's who you're talking about leading the team. The Cajuns had four different players, including two bench players that had more than that, including uh, the guy I mentioned last week, Theo Akwuba. Akwuba. And Devin Butts. Really, the only pleasure I get from but. talking about this game is but. saying Butts and Akwuba. Butts. And we were the butt of this game. Yeah, Junior had an all right night, ended up fouling out. Archibald had the highest offensive rating on the team from Ken Palm, but he was still 3 of 10 from the field. (laughs) Yeah, if you can't hit shots, you need to get rebounds to give yourself opportunities. And if you can't do either, you just won't win many games. Yeah, So man. Let's hope Tech turns uh, turns it around this week because they'll play two teams that they can turn it around against in Jackson State and Lamar. Uh, what's that look like against the, I think they're the Tigers at Jackson State, right? Yeah, so that game's on Tuesday. So today, if you're listening, when the podcast comes out, the, the Jackson State Tigers are not coached by Deion Sanders on in on the hardwood, I don't think. They could be. We did not check. Uh, we have not fact-checked that yet. So uh, They're 0-2 so far, but they've only played Mississippi State and Ole Miss, who they, they lost to both teams pretty handily. So it's hard to know a lot, uh, but Nathan, you put in here that, that they're shooting 75% from the line, which I assume is just your, uh, your glutton for punishment here. Um. <laughs> it's also, I just see a lot of red on their screen and the Ken Palm page. Uh, they're 314th from two-point land. Uh, if that's a thing that people say, they're, they're slightly better from three. 
Uh, but yeah, really the darkest green, the best that they're at is at the foul line. They're 61st in the country. Hey, that's something. I mean, Got to take it where you can. Again, most teams average up around 70, 71% from the foul line. So they're an above average team. So they got that going for them. Uh, What's that feel like? Yeah. But while they're seventy-five percent from the line, Tech is favored by more than that to beat them. Ken Palm gives them an eighty-nine percent chance, and Massey gives Tech a ninety-one percent chance to win. Both of those computer polls have Tech winning seventy-five to sixty-one. So I'm sure that won't be the final score. <laughs> yeah, and then um, I don't I don't know anything about this player, Nathan. So I feel like I should let you say who's the player to watch here. Yeah, unfortunately, it's uh, I gave myself another difficult name. A, Javius McKinnis is the yeah. player to watch here. He's yeah. a six foot seven forward, but he mm-hmm. has blocked seven point six percent of the shots while he's been on the floor that the other team Pretty has good. taken. Wow, eighty fourth best in college basketball, and he played two SEC schools. So this is not the tallest guy in the world blocking shots from Mississippi State and Ole Miss. That's pretty impressive in a very small sample size. Yeah, kind of, <clears throat> kind of reminds you of Michael Kaiser. I think he was like six nine though, right? Maybe yeah, six nine, six ten. But anyway, um, after Jackson State, the Bulldogs take on Lamar, who are the Cardinals, I think. Um, they are one and four, but have a one game winning streak um, after beating ULM sixty three to sixty. Poor ULM. Yeah, uh, has ULM won a game in in basketball yet? I don't know. We should check. That is in a on. good question. Lamar's not a very good shooting team. They're they're 298th in the nation in effective field goal percent. That that Ken Palm stat that Nathan talks about all the time. Um, breaking that down a little bit, they're 293rd in three point percentage, 292nd in two point percentage, and 242nd in free throws uh, for 298th overall. So yeah, th- they're not going to score a lot of points, um, especially if Tech can play defense and maybe get some some boards. Um, but uh, we actually have a little bit lower of a chance to win this one compared to Jackson State. Ken Palm's given us 85% chance to win. Massey, 86. Both of those are about 8, 9. Well, no. Can I do math? I can't. You can't. Uh, <laughs> Ken Palm gives us a 12-point win, 76 to 64. And Massey gives us a 11-point win, 73 there to you 62. 10-11 um, point wins. Yeah, I kind of... You know, you got to keep the tradition going. You're just pretending not to know math. You're doing it up for the show. Girl, we up by eight. Yeah, indeed. Um, And (laughs) Ethan, I'll let you step in here to say the name again, since you've picked another play. When are you just going to pick like Jim Smith or whatever? Yeah, uh, let's see. Who has the most generic name on Lamar's team? There's a Corey Nickerson. There's a Lincoln Smith. Yeah, but instead I picked... A player whose name is much more difficult to say, at least when it comes to his last name, David Mwaka. Mm, I think you got the first name wrong. I think you missed the first name wrong. It's David, actually. Yeah, yeah David. <laughs> David Mwaka. Um, I'm just choosing to have fun if I'm going to mispronounce names anyway. He's another shot blocker. He's six foot ten this time, so okay. more the height than you expect. He's the 25th best. Oh, in the country okay. blocking wow. shots, ten point eight percent of the shots uh, of the shots taken when he's on the court, he blocks, which so that's is one in ten shots while he's on the court. Yes, that's crazy. And he's on the court more than half the time. He is on the court so far this year, fifty seven percent of the time when the team is playing. However, he very rarely touches the ball or puts up a shot when it comes to uh, when Offense. he's on the court. He's not going to shoot when he's on the bench, I guess. 
But yeah, less than 10% of the time he takes a shot when he's on the court. He's just out there to play defense, and he plays defense very well. But also, more importantly, ULM has won two games this season against Northwestern State and Stephen F. Austin. All right. Well, so now they're what, like two in 93? <laughs> well, let's hope they don't win another one because God, three and ninety three yeah. is going to scar yeah. me for life. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So real fast, let's let's get a Texters update here. The Texters had two games scheduled, but they only ended up playing one. So the Texters beat Jackson State seventy three to sixty six. It was a pretty close game the whole time, um, with the Texters only really pulling away towards the end, kind of like that that Southeastern men's game. But of note here, Tyler Jackson was named the Conference USA Freshman of the Week because she scored 10 points, had three rebounds, two assists, and two steals in her 27 minutes of action um, in that game against Jackson State. The Texters were also scheduled to play Arkansas Pine Bluff, but that got pushed back and then eventually canceled due to COVID within the, I guess, Lions, Lady Lions of Pine Bluff uh, program. Um, Nathan, what do we have coming up this week for the Texters? Yeah, this week the Texters face off against the Louisiana Twins, ULL and ULM. ULM comes first on Thursday and then Lafayette on Sunday. There's an 89% chance to beat the team in Monroe, according to Massey. They give the Lady Texters a 72-58 to chance to win. Slightly worse against ULL, 68% chance to win, 71-65. to But it's nice to be predicted to win in both those games, and hopefully this week can be a little better. <laughs> When it comes yeah. to how sports go in Russell, Louisiana. <laughs> yeah, certainly. So what did, what did we end up going two and two and two, I guess? Because we had, yeah, men's men's went one and one. Women's went one and oh, and football went oh and one. So, um, so Josh, I think we were a little too optimistic last week. Yeah. Yeah. I think we really dove uh, headfirst into that for no reason. Yeah. To be fair, I could have seen a loss to TCU, but. The, uh, the the basketball team is a head scratcher for sure. Yeah, especially if you if I had told you the score at halftime <laughs> of that game. Um, Christ. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Uh, before we go to tweet of the week, though, let's make our prediction for this week. We have two basketball oh, yeah. games and well, two men's basketball games and two women's basketball games to predict. The football game is the week after, so let's go ahead and make our predictions on those four games, all of which Tech is favored to win. Do the Bulldogs and Texters turn it around this week? Well, I guess the Texters. They don't have to turn around. They yeah, won. The Texters so. are three and one. They haven't lost since their egregious vic- or defeat at the hands of Texas. I'm gonna four go. and oh. Four and oh. All right, Josh. Four and oh. I'm feeling a loss. I don't know from where though. Well, figure it out. I'm just gonna say three and one and leave it at that. I'm not gonna predict okay. which one. You can't make me. I will also say three and one, but I'll predict that one loss to come to a different team than the one that Evan isn't saying. Okay. All right. <laughs> Now that this is all on record, let's uh, jump over to the Tweet of the Week that came in a much happier time in the tech sports fandom. <sighs> it was one that we called out on Twitter before it was even time to do this, <laughs> before the game even happened. It's at Jeremy underscore Farrar, who has been on the show once or twice, but it's not on this week. Josh's favorite person in the world. Yeah, tweeted out late, but it's TCU hate week with a video of the LaTeX Band of Pride, Evan among them at this point. Aboard the USS Midway, playing neck. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. Jeremy Scott just shaking ass in front of Dr. What? Wait, wait. Dan Renault was there. Whoever the TCU president was there. Robkin. Just, just, <laughs> I'm pretty sure this is why Dan Renault retired. 
<laughs> Dan Renault decided he was done at this exact moment. Yes, this was oh the moment God. he knew. You can see Robkin in the background, like like when Jeremy goes to twerk. He's like, no. He's like, no. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy added some effects to the video, so it's not just the straight-up video. But even the straight-up video, that's the reason I even joined Tech Band in the first place. So I'm just happy to see you again. That was a, so that was a time. I just I just watched it. So so Jeremy Scott, uh, the you know he he was a he ended up being a, a drum major, right? Is that or am I remembering? Oh. You're, you're you're correct. All right, you're doing the play by play real quick. All right, let's put our yeah yeah play by play hats on. At this point, Jeremy Scott is just a, a lowly trumpet player, right? He's he's uh, but he hands off his trumpet to Tim, the drum major, to dance as as the band of pride plays neck. And he goes, so we're on the USS Midway, right? And Tech's band is on one half, and the the TCU band and cheerleaders are, like, behind this, like, barrier thing. I don't know what exactly it is. It's like a plexiglass in the floor type situation. And the TCU band's on the other side. So Jeremy goes up to this barrier and just is dancing, you know? And then, and then he turns and drops <laughs> drops his hand down to the ground and starts twerking. And so Jeremy Farrar has a TCU hate week, you know, banner bopping around the video. And then when Jeremy Scott drops and starts to twerk, he puts up, he puts up, he blocks it out, like censors it. And it says, go to horny frog jail. And it's, the, uh, what's that meme called? I don't even it's know. It's just the go to horny jail meme. If you know it, you know it. If you don't, well. He, bon- he bonks, but he, he, he photoshopped over like the Shiba Inu dog with a horn frog face <laughs> getting hit by a bat saying bonk. And then Gary Patterson's face yelling. <laughs> oh my God. That shit is so funny. I'm going to retweet it again right now, even though we just lost by a million points to them. Oh, so good. We deserve some happiness. Wow. I'm looking at the people that like that tweet and a former tech baseball alum, the co-host slash analysis slash producer for 1201 sports <laughs> oh god oh god yeah good good shit and a happy way to end this podcast yeah the head atc at tech mm. so yeah on that delightful note that about wraps it up for that this episode of the go tech please don't die podcast as always you can follow us on twitter where you can find that video and tweet and other things kind of like it sometimes not as funny sometimes maybe funny that Twitter handle is at G-O-T-E-C-H-P-L-S-D-N-T-D-I-E. Or head to our blog where, I don't know, it's been forever since we posted anything, I think, but that's mostly my fault. But sometimes yeah, we'll have things on there. It's not your fault, man. You do a lot. <laughs> the gtpdd.dog. It's also where the contest is, and I assume that for the bowl game, Evan will have up a yeah, contest. Gonna, you got a little more time to prepare this week. Well, yeah, I'm going to do my best to have it up on Friday uh of this week because i'm driving across the country on saturday and sunday so i probably won't get to it uh (laughs) if i don't do it friday so that's i'm putting that on the record here um i also need to grade the tcu one but we lost so bad that i didn't feel like doing it so fair all right and fade back in hard to be humble and yeah uh i think that's it for everything we'll have i'll have a georgia southern youtube video up with the ncaa 14 simulation when it gets a little bit closer game being in the middle of the week kind of messes up when yeah. things are posted and schedules and things but until next time and until the next time and when we predict and do our bowl game preview i'm nathan i'm evan and i'm a sad sad josh <laughs>
We never even said if Tech went and and died. Obviously, they did not go and and also died in the football game and at ULL um, and almost against Southeastern. So lots of lots of not going this week. Anyway, Nathan, say the thing. Go Tech! Please don't die. Okay, real real quick contest update. There's like 30 people who are really actually playing and maybe five or so people who have a chance to win. Um, Am I one of those five? I don't think so, Josh. 